Hi, I'm Dan Gasser, and you're listening to the National Eye Health Week podcast. Sight is the sense people fear losing the most. And with more than 2 million people in the UK living with visual impairments, it's important for us all to understand how to take better care of our eyes and prevent unnecessary sight loss. Research shows that many of us are unaware of the symptoms of sight-threatening conditions or how to look after our eyes properly. So I'm going to be chatting to some experts in the field to find out why vision matters and what we can do to keep our eyes and vision healthy. Joe Churchill, Minister for Prevention, Public Health and Primary Care, is supporting National Eye Health Week and shared this advice. I'm delighted to support National Eye Health Week. All of our senses are precious, but sight is the one people fear losing the most. We know that it's sometimes easy to neglect your eyes, especially when they aren't hurting. Routine sight tests are often not seen to be as important as a dental checkup or a visit to the GP. However, it's so important that everyone has their sight tested at least every two years, regardless of whether you wear glasses or contact lenses. A sight test is a very important eye health check that can detect sight-threatening conditions as well as other underlying health conditions such as diabetes, high blood pressure and raised cholesterol. Anyone who may have noticed a change in their vision or who has concerns about their eyes should not delay making contact with an optician. Sight loss can be avoided if detected early. For those experiencing sight loss, early treatment often prevents the situation from getting worse. NHS sight tests are free for a large proportion of the population, including children, people aged 60 and over, and those on income-related benefits. Optical vouchers are also available for eligible groups to help with the cost of glasses. I understand that there may be concerns about accessing services at this time, but please be assured that eye care services are ready to help. Please do give them a call and they will advise when and how to get the eye care in the safest way for you and your family. Thank you. Opticians across the UK are open and providing an essential service in keeping Britain healthy. Poor eye health can have a significant effect on quality of life. So I'm going to be finding out how we can spot the signs of early sight deterioration, how we can look after our eyes during COVID-19, along with understanding some general good eye health practices. I'm joined now by Dr Louise Gao, a specialist lead for eye health at RNIB, and David Cartwright, chairman of the charity Eye Health UK, who are going to open my eyes, excuse the pun, to better eye care. Hi to you both. Thanks for joining me. To start off, I wear contact lenses. And if I was nervous that I might not be taking care of them or of my eyes as a lens wearer, as well as I could be, what should I be doing? Well, I think a lot of people think about lens wear and whether it's safe at this slightly strange time we're in with COVID, etc. But if I could reassure you, with your lenses, it is perfectly safe. So if you've got a daily disposable lens, Don't forget to just throw it away at the end of the day, pop a new one in the next day. But before you pop the new one in the next day, always make sure you're washing your hands 20 seconds 
and doing the right things from that point of view. If you've got lenses which aren't daily disposable, so you take them out, you clean them, you pop them in the next day, follow your instructions that you were given when you first uh, got the lenses, so go back to that. Again, always wash your hands, don't use tap water, use the solutions that are provided. But as long as you're being sensible and following the instructions, you'll be perfectly safe with your lenses. One thing to perhaps remember is that if you do have any problems at all, whether it's a problem with your vision or the lenses aren't quite as comfortable as they were, then think about going back to your optical practice to get that looked at. But I think the underlying message is contact lenses, perfectly safe, just follow the instructions that you've been given when you first had them. And Louise, what would you say um, in response to that for people that just wear glasses and not wear contact lenses? Is it a different routine? How should they be looking after their eyes? I think during this, this again, this crazy time, it's important that you keep a check on your eye health just the same way as you would at any other time. So if you have new symptoms, if you have a change in your vision, if you're worried that you're not seeing as well as you normally do, then you should check with your eye health professional, your optometrist, and make sure that you keep your specs clean, just like touching door handles and uh, and that sort of thing. Your specs, you handle all the time. So it is important that you keep your specs clean just to avoid any risk of infection that way. Okay, Louise, sticking with you, does diet make a difference to eye health? I think keeping your health good makes a difference to your eye health. So if your body is healthy, then your eyes are healthy. So a good healthy diet is important in all respects. Where eyes are concerned, we know that green leafy vegetables are particularly important in your diet. But having a plate full of rainbow-coloured vegetables is going to be the the best way forward. You can get a range of supplements from the chemist, but we don't tend to suggest that that's of significant benefit to you. Just having a good, healthy, balanced diet is the important thing. Keeping your weight under control and making sure that you follow advice based on on what your GP is telling you. So colours on the plate, that's uh, often a good bit of advice when it comes to health healthy diet, isn't it? Uh, David, um, I think Louise has kind of alluded to it, talking about keeping your weight down and keeping healthy in general. But what about exercise? Uh, certainly exercise very important and following the, the, the guidelines given by the government for exercise. But I think as a general rule, exercise similar to diet is good for you, particularly with eye health, it's good for you as well. So a thought of sort of half an hour's exercise where perhaps your heart rate is getting raised a little bit. So that could be a good walk, doing some gardening, that sort of thing. But get your heart rate up for about 30 minutes a day, five days a week is an excellent sort of thought to keep in your mind to keep physically yourself fit, Mm. but also protect your eye health as well. Because the studies have shown that more time spent doing exercise is good from an eye health point of view. See, that's something I never would have thought of. I'm a runner. I run on the treadmill, I do about 5K three or four times a week. I never, ever run and think to myself, this is good for my eyes. Right, absolutely. You probably think it's good for your heart. Yeah, lungs. Good for you generally. But I, I suppose if it's good for other parts of the body, it probably intuitively makes sense that it's good from an eye point of view as well. And the eye is a very, very delicate structure at the back of the eye. The retina, the light-sensitive part at the back of the eye is extremely sensitive. So any slight damage to the cells in in that part of the the eye can have disastrous consequences later in life. So it's helping you now, but it's helping you later in life as well, particularly. We're all living longer. 
most eye diseases are characterized by uh, being a, a feature of getting a bit older. So the more you can do early on to protect your eyes, the better it is. Louise, did you have something to add there? I think uh, the other important point there is diet and exercise reduces your risk of diabetes. And diabetes is still one of the leading causes of sight loss. So if you can reduce your risk of diabetes or control your diabetes as well as possible, then diet and, and exercise obviously are two key components of that that will reduce your risk of sight loss. Um, let's talk a bit about screen time. Louise, you're on a, a Zoom call this morning. Uh, David's in the studio with me at a safe distance, obviously. But we're all looking at a lot more screens at the moment because of lockdown and working from home. Does looking at screens impact your eye health notably? I, I think it can make your eyes more uncomfortable. Again, there are studies show that we blink very regularly. So we blink on average something like 12 times a minute. However, when we're looking at a screen, it's well researched that we don't blink nearly so much. So the tear film, which is very important for the eyes, gets affected. The eyes potentially dry out, potentially get uncomfortable. So there's a general rule that if you're using a screen, think about a 20-20-20 rule. So every 20 minutes, look at something 20 feet away for 20 seconds. So that, that's a good general rule to keep your eyes a bit more comfortable. And I also think as well that if your eyes are feeling dry while you're looking at screens for a long time, consciously have a few big blinks. And that just forms the tear film, which keeps the eye more comfortable. If you had to remember something to do with vision, 2020, 2020 couldn't, really have a, couldn't really have a better name, could yeah, it? So in 2020, think 2020. <laughs> um, I made a note here, I want to talk about sunglasses. Louise, you know, we live at a time where sunglasses are, are used for aesthetics, you know, rather than for anything medical. Are sunglasses really that important when it comes to eye health, you know, particularly on sunny days? They definitely are. If you think about the anxiety that we have about the impact of ultraviolet light on our skin, we should be still thinking about the impact that it has on our eyes as well. Because if it's harmful for our skin, it's it's not that strange to suggest that it might be harmful to our eyes and we do know that ultraviolet light can cause problems with with vision so protecting your eyes from from uv is is just as important as protecting your skin so a good quality sunglass is very important it doesn't have to be really expensive and actually the color of the lens makes no difference to how well it protects the back of the eye so you could choose a really really dark sunglass thinking that that's protecting your eyes but actually if it doesn't have a uv filter in it then it's not protecting your eyes so our advice is to check that it has the british standard it has got a uv block in it and then you choose the color and the style according to whatever you you want to look like but protecting your eyes from uv is is a very important point uh, louise is quite right there i think the point i'd add to think about is that sunglasses for young children huh. so one of the points about ultraviolet light is that it can get into the eye and affect the lens in the eye a lot later in life perhaps leading to cataracts it can affect the back of the eye over a number of years and children with very clear lenses ultraviolet light just has more ability to get in so actually young children spent time outdoors or spending time outdoors which is good for them think about sunglasses as well. So it's not just something for adults. It's something that with parents should be thinking about for young children. And a good quality set of sunglasses or just, just a, a nice pink uh, pair with Peppa Pig on uh, them? 
Louise was absolutely right. It's not about cost. <laughs> so just have a look on the side of the frame. It'll have a CE mark, which says, which means that it protects from ultraviolet light. That won't be something connected with how much these sunglasses are. How much sunglasses are is probably the, the make, the particular brand, whether it's the design brand, all those sorts of things. The key thing is to make sure that it's got that CE mark, and I'm sure Peppa Pig is absolutely fine. <laughs> <laughs> My daughter will be pleased to hear that. Louise, let me come to you. We've spoken a bit already about how to keep our eye health on point, if you like, but what are the common signs for people to look out for that they might have problems with their eyes or that their eyes might be damaged or they might be suffering from something that hasn't been diagnosed yet? So the difficulty with a lot of eye conditions is that often they don't have symptoms in the early stages. So I think the most important thing to say is even if you haven't got symptoms, you should be having a regular eye examination. However, there are some urgent symptoms, what we would call red flag symptoms, symptoms that need to be checked straight away. So if you develop flashing lights or floating bits in your vision, if you suddenly develop double vision, if you have a curtain or a, a veil in your vision, suddenly that appears, pain, redness, light sensitivity, those are all signs that something isn't right and something should be checked out. And the quicker the onset of the symptom, the more urgent it is that you get it checked out. So if you wake up in the morning and suddenly you can't see out of your left eye, that's an urgent situation and needs to be treated as an urgent priority. If something's been gradually changing over the space of, you know, a few months to a year, then that's more likely to be a, a less significant situation that can be checked out by your optometrist. And I think the key to it is to phone the optometrist, explain what you're experiencing and how long it's been happening and whether you've had any problems in the past. And then they can decide how quickly you need to be seen. David, I'll come to you on this bit of the question. In the news over the past just few days, actually, we've been asked, don't get a test if you haven't got any symptoms with regards to a different problem. And an eye test is something that people would usually get if they think they can't see properly or, you know, if they're short-sighted like myself. Would you recommend vision tests for people that don't think they've got any problems with their eyes just to check that there's not anything underlying? Absolutely. A sensible thought would be to have a, a, a sight test or an eye examination every two years. And that's really for pretty much anybody. Now, the reason for that, as Louise alluded to a moment ago, is that people perhaps think of a sight test as, I'll make sure my eyesight's better. So if I can see to read and uh, look in the distance, surely I'm perfectly okay. I think the point there is that often people can think they can see pretty well, but because it's gradually reduced, they don't realise actually that they can't see quite as well as they could. So th there might be something they're actually not noticing, but is there from the, a sight point of view. But also, and an example of this is one of the most common sort of eye conditions is something called glaucoma. Now, glaucoma affects the field of vision in the eye very gradually, such and often in one eye before the other. So you don't notice it until quite late stages in that disease. Now, if you notice it in the late stages, there's not a lot often that can be done to recover that field of vision and that and that eyesight. However, if you identify it early, and a, a sight test or a, a, an eye examination will do that, then you can have treatment for glaucoma. It prevents any visual field loss. And so you address the the issue early and it doesn't cause a problem. Hence, 
from a for, for a few points of view, then you need to have an eye examination every two years to identify whether your vision's okay, but also the health of the eye. Louise. I think it's also true to say that a lot of older people accept sight loss as part of getting older. They just assume, well, you know, my knees don't work so well, my hips don't work so well, and my eyes aren't going to work so well. And I think as a result of that, they don't necessarily flag up the symptoms that they're getting quickly enough. And a routine eye examination will mean that they'll be picked up and that vision loss that is avoidable can be treated rather than just accepted as part of old age. So if I went for an eye test as somebody who thought they couldn't see very well, short-sighted, if I had glaucoma and I wasn't aware of it, can a general sight test pick up on something like that? Yes, a general sight test will look to make sure that your vision's okay, but probably the majority of the sight test is making sure that your eyes are healthy. Right. And they'll conduct a number of tests. They'll look at your field of vision. They'll they'll think about the pressure in the eye. They'll look at the appearance at the back of the eye to identify signs of glaucoma. It's also as important or possibly more important if you've got a family history, for instance, of glaucoma. So if your parents, brothers, sisters have glaucoma, there's a, a family trait there and you should make sure that you're getting a regular eye examination. Uh, perhaps I, I'd echo what Louise was saying in that if you notice a what you feel might be a serious problem, so a sudden change in vision, a, a halo coming or, or, or a, a curtain coming down over your vision, then go and get that looked at immediately. And by that, really, we're meaning today, yeah. tomorrow at the latest, not next week. Don't wait to see if it gets any better. Bring your optical practice, as Louise suggested, and make sure that they, they, they can comment on that. Basically, don't put it off. Don't put it off. You don't yeah. take risks with your eyes. A absolutely. Louise, I'll come to you. Let's talk about the pandemic and lockdown specifically. How have people's attitudes changed, if at all, with regards to leaving the house, going out and getting an eye test? I think in the early stages of the pandemic, we were all told, stay home, protect the NHS, protect your health. And people, you know, rose to that challenge. They did stay home and, and it, it did result in a reduction in infection rates. Unfortunately, I think it also meant that people felt that if they had a sudden symptom, they also couldn't go and get that checked or that opticians were closed. A lot of um, optical practices were open throughout the pandemic for emergency treatment and assessments. And it is a shame, I think, that, that some people felt that they couldn't go and get those symptoms checked at that time. And I think latterly, now we're coming out of lockdown, it's had a slightly different effect in that some people are actually still genu genuinely very frightened to go out and about and to go and have their eyes tested because they're worried about picking up the infection or spreading the infection. So I think, unfortunately, it has meant that, that some people have put off having their eyes examined. Optical practices have changed their routine so much in order to protect the public and to protect the staff within those optical practices. So they wear full PPE, they clean down between each patient, they've increased the, the gaps between appointments so that they've got time to clean. And so you are safe if you go and have your eyes examined. You have to plan. So you make sure you've got your mask, you make sure you're carrying hand sanitizer, washing your hands, and that you don't go if you've got symptoms. And that's really the only time that you shouldn't be going is if you've got symptoms or someone in your household has symptoms of COVID. So I guess to answer your question, it's reduce the number of people going when they should be because they're, they're frightened that they might pick up the infection. 
and we would encourage people to to know that they are safe if they go to have their eyes tested now. Let's talk about kids getting eye tests. I'm a parent. I've got three kids. I'll be honest with you. I don't think we've ever had my kids' eyes checked apart from when they were just born or maybe, you know, the following months where you go back for your, your regular checks and whatnot. And I can tell from David's expression already that I should feel incredibly ashamed about that. Uh, so let's talk about kids and eye tests. Should we be testing our children's eyes? I mean, you've already said tests apply to everybody, but children specific, um, should we be taking them for tests, even if we don't think they've got a problem seeing? Absolutely. If we imagine a little four-year-old or five-year-old sitting first day at school, I don't think they're going to close one eye or the other and say and come back and say, oh, damn, I can't see very well with my one eye. <laughs> they're, going to, they're going to go through life or they're going to get through school and their one eye might not be as good as the other. Mm-hmm. So in answer to your question, it is very important to check children at an early stage. My advice to any parent would be to take the child or make sure there's been some sort of eye examination, probably at about the age of four or five. So that's when they first go that first year at school. I think a lot of parents remember back to their childhood and there was school the school was tested. So a nurse came into the school and tested children's eyesight. Generally speaking, in most areas now, that doesn't happen. So don't think that the child is going to have a sight test at school. They're not, or they're probably not. One or two areas do, but they're probably not going to have that sight test at school. So it would be important to take them for a sight test. And the the reason for the age of four or five is that you can get Good results, you can get good results from children even at an earlier age as well. Children don't need to be able to read letters, so don't think if you if you feel there is a problem and you want to take them earlier than that, that's absolutely fine. The the optometrist will adapt their routine. The child doesn't necessarily need to know letters. They can look at pictures and point to things. So there are different ways of, of assessing vision. But the reason for doing it at an early stage is that if there is a problem with one eye, so if the child has a squint or a lazy eye, that that eye may not develop. And unless it's treated before the age of around eight, the child is left then with one eye that's not as good as the other later in life. Now, that might affect occupations. So if you haven't got two good eyes, there are some occupations that wouldn't be suitable. But also a child being born now has a very, very good chance of living to a very old age. You want to make sure you've got two good eyes mm. all the way through life. You don't want to get to the age of 70, 80, suddenly have a problem with one eye and find that the other eye doesn't see very well. So the message would be when you're going home, Dan, get the three children, make sure <laughs> they've had the, a, a sight test, make sure they've, they, you know that both eyes are seeing well and do that really as early as possible. I suppose there's... Uh... It's somewhat ironic as well that the school eye tests no longer happen when kids are looking at screens far more nowadays than they would have been maybe when I was at school when the eye tests were around. Yeah. And to add to that it may cause a problem because you've got one eye that's not seeing as well as the other, there is research to say that some children who are not seeing as well as they should become disruptive in class. They're not taking opportunities to learn in class because, frankly, they, they can't see. They're perhaps getting headaches. And if they're a bit bored in class because they can't take part in the activities that they should be doing, then children probably would tend to become a bit unruly. One thing I perhaps would add uh, that if a parent is taking a child for a a sight test an optical practice, then that will be covered by the NHS. So up to 16 or up to 19 in full-time education, 
then the site test will be paid for by the NHS. So there's no need to worry about the cost of that visit. Louise, let's come to you and talk about the uh, possible connection between visual impairment and mental health. Can having poor eye health impact on your quality of life? Yes, it can. It's a straightforward answer. Um, any impairment can can impact on your quality of life. And we know that around 30% of um, people who are sight impaired will tell you that they fit, they don't feel happy, that they have depression. And astonishingly, only around about 17% of sight impaired people are offered counselling or support at, at the point of diagnosis or at, at any point after that. So yes, it can impact your, your quality of life and the way you feel about life. And it's a shame because a lot of that is actually caused by society, by people not being aware of the potential of people with sight impairment and the ways to adapt work environments, school environments, out and about, just you know, in order to help people who are sight impaired have a full quality of life. So if you think about going out and about, for instance, that's a, that's a, a limitation that, that sight loss can, can create. And just simply things like people parking their cars on the pavements or hiring a bike in London and, and just sticking it on the pavement when you finished with it, those sorts of things, A-boards, you know, the advertising A-boards, if you are sight impaired, it's difficult, it's challenging to go from A to B. But if you've got to negotiate around a parked car that isn't normally there or an A-board that isn't normally there, you're more likely to to suffer an injury. And then that knocks your confidence. You then don't want to go out. And I think we also see it in the employment rate of people who are sight impaired. So often people uh, find it difficult to get a job or feel that they can't stay in their job when they develop sight loss. And that impacts your quality of life if if you haven't got meaningful employment. And I think often that's that's down to employers not realising that there are adaptations that you can make to, to a lot of jobs to create an opportunity for people who are sight impaired to, to work. And I think they lose a lot of talent that way. People with lots of skills that aren't able to do their job because they don't have the support in place. And then if you look at schools, so education, if you are sight impaired, education is, is much harder. It's much more difficult for children to reach their academic potential if they're sight impaired. But if educators were aware of the way to adapt the child's environment or have the resources, which I think is often the problem, then a child can learn just as well as, as um, a normally sighted person can. There are obviously other impacts as well. So your hobbies and activities of daily living And if you get the right support at the right stage, then adaptations can sometimes be made to enable you to continue with the hobbies that you enjoy doing, to enable you to remain independent. But you need the support at the earliest possible stage in order to be able to carry on doing the things that you want to do. Or just to to think creatively around, well, what else could I do if I can't do that particular hobby? Yeah, so I think the answer is it, it does impact your life. It must impact your life, but we're all unique individuals and we all have different experiences of sight loss. But getting the right support at the right stage will lessen that impact. If people are 
sight impaired and their mental health is suffering as a result of it. You talk about services and support. Are those services available from where they might receive treatment for their eyes or would they be referred to a, a mental health expert? How does it work if the mental health is suffering because of what's going on with the eyes? Yeah, so unfortunately, a lot of people aren't offered it at the stage that they need it. But you can get that support by asking your GP for help, reaching out for help. That's that's the key to it. If you're struggling, then there is support out there. You just have to reach out to get it. The GP is a good source of support, but most hospitals have someone called an eye clinic liaison officer or who performs a similar role. And an eye clinic liaison officer is someone who is not medically trained, but they're part of the eye health team. And what they do is they liaise between the consultant and the patient, but also they link patients with um, lots of support in the community and nationally. So they may link them with the local um, sight loss society. Um, They might link them um, with national organisations like the RNIB that provide counselling, that provide practical support as well, because part of the mental health issue is the fact that they are they have the limitations or the fear of limitations that, that a, a sight loss diagnosis um, will create. Um, so contacting the ECLO um, within the hospital would be a very good starting point. Contacting your local society for sight impaired people. And I think it's also important to note that you don't have to be registered as sight loss to reach out for those sources of support. And the earlier you reach out for help, the the better it is because you're linked in with the people that can support you. Some good advice there. David, let's come back to you and talk a bit about general eye health once again. Now we addressed diet and exercise earlier and how that can affect your eyes. General lifestyle tweaks, you know, things that might not involve food or being active. What are some general things I could do, for example, each day to make sure my eyes stay healthy? I suppose the the one major one that perhaps we haven't mentioned that we should always think about is smoking. And smoking is not good for anything, but certainly is not good for eye health. Okay. Um, in fact, there's a greater link between something called age-related macular degeneration, which is the leading cause of sight loss in the UK. Mm-hmm. So there's a greater link between that and smoking than there is between smoking and lung cancer, for instance. So... Certainly another reason to quit smoking, I'm sure you probably don't smoke already, uh, but uh, just generally thinking that something about 20% of the, the UK population still smoke, it's about that figure, don't smoke because it's it's not good from an eye health point of view and can lead to problems certainly later in life. Okay, smoking, bad, obviously. We spoke a bit about screens earlier on, what with everybody or a lot of people working from home still even now, but what about the dreaded mobile phone? the thing we're staring at for more hours than we probably realise that we are in this day and age, quite often at night in a dark room. Does that have a bad effect on vision? Uh, Louise, what do you think? Because it's the jury's a little bit out, isn't it, really? This is a question we get really regularly Mm. on our helpline at the RNIB, and particularly during COVID, we've had loads of people phoning, phoning us saying, oh, my child's now on computers and mobile phones all day, and... And I, I don't think that there is that there's a lot of stuff about the blue light, isn't there? There's a lot yep. of stuff, but blue light doesn't isn't linked with sight loss. We haven't found a, a link with sight loss. So I think it's just about, you know, like everything you were talking about earlier, David, about, you know, the the twenty twenty, you know, the digital eye strain yep. aspect of it. But there is there is stuff around switching the device off an hour before you want to go to bed. 
So that might be worth pointing out. Um, Sleep patterns. Interestingly, although intuitively one would think that with a mobile phone with very small print, that's not good from an eyesight point of view. There isn't at the moment conclusive research to say that that that, that is the case. So it doesn't lead to uh, a, a rapid increase in headaches or it doesn't lead to long-term sight problems. Interestingly, there may be a little bit of emerging evidence to say that it's part, but only perhaps part of a causative factor towards the increase of short-sightedness. But you mentioned, are there any common sense things that you can do? We talked about children earlier. So one of the things for children is a noticeable increase in a lot of populations of short-sightedness, which is made worse if your parents are short-sightedness. Now, one thing that the parent can do there is to get the child outdoors more. So there certainly is research to say that the more time spent outdoors in sunny conditions or even on any sort of day is good to prevent or slightly halt the progression of becoming short-sighted. And although you might not think being short-sighted is a problem, being short-sighted can be associated with other problems later with life, uh, a retinal detachment perhaps being one of those. So so think about, so a common sense thing for children, get them outdoors more, it's good from an exercise point of view, but also good from a not becoming perhaps as short-sighted as they might. Also, common sense, uh, a lot of eye casualty departments would say that, well, it's the one thing people can do to not be an eye casualty, and that's where protective eyewear while they're doing DIY. So if you've got a hammer in your hand, whatever you're doing with it, wear protective DIY because you get splinters off wood, you get splinters off bits of metal, they go into the eye and can potentially be uncomfortable at best, but very damaging to the eye at worst. Another one, perhaps sort of thinking particularly about uh, ladies, is makeup. I suspect if most ladies were to look in their makeup bag, they'll find a lot of that makeup is out of date. Carrying that forward, using that makeup, you increase your chance of infection and irritation of the eye. So that's another sort of common sense thing that people can think about. Um, Just with regard to the makeup, some men too. Louise? One of the things that we are concerned about is the sight loss that is associated with party contact lenses and the use of contact lenses that you can buy over the counter to change what your eye looks like. And these these are not safe things to wear because they're not properly checked by an eye health professional and they can increase significantly the risk of damage to your cornea and infections. So although they're a bit of fun, and with Halloween coming up particularly in mind, it is a worry that people do wear these party contact lenses without any professional help or prescription at all. So Louise, what you're referring to there, just thinking about terminology, you're talking about, for example, colour contact lenses for aesthetics, or to make my eyes, you know, look like a cat or something like that, you know, those things that aren't medically approved. They're not medically approved. They, unlike normal contact lenses, they're not checked on the eye, that you're not taught how to handle the lenses, and they carry the same risks as any other contact lens if they're not handled properly. Are they legal? No, I'm not sure, but they are sold, aren't they? I, I don't, I think you, I think they, there must be. I think technically they are illegal, but nobody's ever bothered to <laughs> try and take a <laughs> I prosecution. Know that. That's, that's you, even the, worse. Yeah, the GSC occasionally has a quiet word with a retailer. I think, I think they did with Argos or somebody like that, and they did take them off, sort of take them off their shelves or take them off online. Okay. 
but so you're quite right that people shouldn't use them. Absolutely shocking, yeah. It's amazing to think they could get on the shelves in the first place if it's something that's designed to sit on your eyeball, which is so delicate and 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 so easily damaged. Ab- absolutely, but it never amazes me to... Um, and you do see patients who've who've used these things. They've, of course, bought them online. They're then not quite sure how to put them in. They're not quite sure how to take them out. They manage to get them in. They can't take them out. And you know yourself, being a contact lens wearer, that that, that then will lead to quite a bit of discomfort and infection. And an infection can be very, very serious for an eye. We also get people that will have swapped them around their friendship group. So, you know, oh, can I try that lens in? And they'll swap them around. I mean, it's horrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly not the time to be doing that. And I presume as well those lenses aren't soft lenses, are they? They're not soft like Uh, a soft contact lens? No, they they are soft contact lenses, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, oh, right. so um, hard contact lenses, there are very few of them around now. Mm. Uh, some people still wear hard contact lenses, but the vast, vast majority of lenses are soft lenses. David, just sticking with eye routines and behaviour with regard to eye health, just one more thing. Aside from anything I could do day to day, like exercise or what I eat or staying away from cigarette smoke or anything like that, is there anything I could do or should I be doing anything with the eye directly as a routine to keep it clean or healthy, or should you generally just leave your eyes alone and let them sort themselves out? Generally, I would say leave leave them alone as long as they're feeling comfortable, they're not causing irritation, then they should be perfectly okay. Think about those things that we've talked about, a regular eye examination, so that the internal part of the eye is quite healthy. Many people perhaps these days suffer from dry eye. So one thing that a lot of people will use uh, quite reasonably are, are dry eye drops. And there are lots available sort of over the counter from the chemist or from your optical practice. If you feel you've got dry eye uh, and you want to get some advice on exactly the cause of that and hence which preparation would be most appropriate, again, something a sight test will identify. One thing, a lifestyle factor that we haven't perhaps talked about that we should mention is is drinking. So the government guidelines, I think, are about 14 units a, a, a week, which roughly translates to, I think, seven glasses of wine and six pints of beer. But drinking, as with a lot of those lifestyle factors such as smoking, is not good for the eyes from a, from a long-term point of view. So just another thing to think about. I'm sure people would probably think about drinking less, but it's just another reason to drink slightly less. Okay, uh, Louise, let's come to you. Just let's go back to the pandemic and COVID. A lot of people are having an issue with their glasses becoming steamed up from the wearing <laughs> of masks. Is that something that could actually have a negative effect on the eyes? The the steam from your mouth ending up there. Uh, so regularly, I mean, if you're breathing nonstop and, and it comes up from the mask, is that something that people should be worried about? That's a really interesting question. I hadn't thought of it, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, I I don't think it's it's necessarily a significant risk to eye health. There are lots of little tricks that that we've learned, uh, you know, to how to avoid the fogging. Optometrists have spent a lot of time recently talking about fogging. So rolling up a, um, a tissue and placing it underneath the, the nose bar on the mask, that can help to block some of the air coming up. Resting the specs actually on onto the mask also helps. But I don't think that there's a risk to the eye health from that. There's more of a risk that you'll fall over when you when you fog up, when you go into the supermarket. 
I suppose with COVID, we are learning a lot of things as as time goes on. And I've read one or two sort of online comments recently that when you're wearing a mask, you you get a, a sort of um, a stream of breath that goes up over your eyes. And that has led to perhaps a, a higher incidence of, of people reporting dry eye type syndrome, so a little bit of irritation. So even people that don't wear glasses? Even people who don't wear glasses, yes. And perhaps they're staring at a computer. So you can imagine that you're wearing a mask, staring at a computer, you're not blinking. You've got this constant stream of air going more up and over your eyes. And uh, there have been some reports of slight increases in dry eye from a, that point of view. And, and hence, if that is a problem, it would be reasonable to think about a, a dry eye preparation of some sort, a, an artificial tear. And just following on from that, I don't think either of you have answered the question I'm about to ask. I don't think it was covered just now. But thinking about the pandemic, spectacle wearers in particular, you know, we're all being asked to wash our hands, sanitise, etc. Should we be wiping and cleaning our glasses more now than we should have been, for example, at the start of the year? I, I think it's probably reasonable to do that to reduce any risk. There is evidence, isn't it, that that the virus will remain on a hard surface longer than it will remain elsewhere. And a spectacle is a hard surface. So it seems reasonable, although perhaps you can't quite imagine how the virus would have got onto those spectacles. But perhaps if you've been on uh, sort of along the high street, somebody's going near you, the virus is perhaps general in the air. I don't want to sort of alarm people more than necessary on that. But it would seem reasonable that the advice when you get home is to wash your hands. Perhaps you could add to that anything that I feel the virus might have got onto, I should be washing as well, and spectacles would fall into that sort of category. Mm, So it's a better safe than sorry attitude. Okay. And Louise, um, if you're displaying symptoms of COVID and you're worried that you might actually have the virus, is it still okay to wear contact lenses? Whenever you're unwell, it's not advisable to wear contact lenses. So even if you have a cold or a fluy bug, it's best to not wear your contact lenses because infection is very easy to get onto a contact lens and into the eye. Having said that, if you have no symptoms of COVID, then it doesn't increase your risk of getting COVID because you wear a contact lens. You're not going to infect yourself with COVID from a from a contact lens or handling lenses. But I think if you're unwell, the best thing to do is to leave your contact lenses out until you feel better. This is all sound advice. Thank you both very much. Lastly, before we go, we'll start with you, Louise. What's your top three tips or bits of advice for general eye and sight care, which people can follow? My first top tip, very definitely, is to make sure you have a regular eye examination. That's the single most important thing. My second top tip would be to report any sudden symptoms because a lot of eye conditions, when they're picked up quickly enough, don't have to result in sight loss. And that's simple simple as that, really. If you're worried, you pick up the phone and you speak to someone and, and ask for some help. And my third top tip is to keep healthy, just to eat healthily, to everything, an old saying, everything in moderation, reduce your weight um, to a a healthy weight and to reduce any risk of, of developing diabetes that you can. And that will help reduce your chances of sight loss for the future. 
I hope David won't think it's mischievous of me if I challenge him to come up with three different ones. Well, no, I, I, I was thinking uh, I wish I'd gone first because I would have come up with exactly the same as uh, <laughs> Louise there. So regular sight test and think about those lifestyle factors which will prevent a problem later in life. Because I think it's fair to say that good eyesight, good vision is absolutely essential to everyday life. You want to preserve that for as long as possible. And, and if you're thinking about how to prevent problems later in life, then good lifestyle factors, and to identify any problems as early as possible, think about an eye examination, a sight test eye examination. I use the, the two interchangeably. So we're advising that a sight test every two years is, is very sensible. For people over 60, under 16, for people who've got diabetes, glaucoma, or people who are on certain benefits, a sight test is paid for by the National Health Service. So there's no need to worry about the cost of a sight test. I think people then worry perhaps about the cost of spectacles, and they've heard that spectacles can be very expensive. Spectacles can be quite expensive. You can buy a designer pair of spectacles, uh, and that can be quite expensive. They can, however, be very, very cost effective as well. So you don't have to spend a lot of money on a visit to a, an optical practice in order to make sure that you've got good eyesight. A friend of mine buys his glasses in a supermarket. I think they cost him about £6. Well, those would be ready-made spectacles, mm. which people might use for reading. And yes, can, in the right circumstance, work very well. If you were doing that, it is still absolutely essential to have a sight test, to make going back to make sure your eyes are healthy, but also to make sure that if you are going out to buy ones off-the-shelf ready-made readers, then they are appropriate for you. Louise, you've got something to add to that? If you have diabetes, it's really important that as well as your eye examination, you attend your diabetic eye screening appointments. They are linked the two tests are linked so that optometrists are looking at the eye health as well but the diabetic screening service is a really important key part of maintaining your health if you're diabetic don't think that if you've had your diabetic eye screening you've had an eye examination and equally don't think because you've had an eye examination you've had the diabetic eye screening too so it's important that both of those are done in order to reduce your risk of sight loss from diabetes it has been fascinating talking to both of you today. I feel a bit like an honorary optician, although I'm sure I've got a long way to go. Thank you both so much for sharing all that information with us. Pleasure. Thank Very you. Very welcome. I hope this has been useful. For more information about looking after your eyes, visit the Vision Matters website, visionmatters.org.uk, where you can also find out if your lifestyle could be impacting on your eye health with the new National Eye Health Week eye health calculator take care of your eyes and get in touch with your local optician if you notice any changes to your vision to help prevent unnecessary sight loss in the future because vision matters thanks for listening take care <laughs>